everyone's everyone's happy and um yeah can't wait to find out um what the sex of the baby is <laughs> yeah recording by the way guys please leave that out you testing the mics i was just gonna go in man um i've got something that's coming up on the screen oh there we go all right should we start yeah let's go <clears throat> right and we have kicked off it is the podcast play on at podcast play on the football podcast brought to you every other week on all streaming platforms by the beer rap and banter team myself ben english as always we have my co-host cal how you doing sir very good sir how you doing sir? very good man very good and also we have ash how you doing ash yo i'm good man good 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 and ryan how you doing ryan I'm back from the cold, man. I'm back in from the cold. Here to talk about all things football and especially Chelsea. Thank you for being on board. And as always, you can check us out on all podcast platforms. So don't forget to subscribe, comment on Apple Podcasts. That really helps. Tell a friend and, you know, hit us up at Podcast Play on at Beer at Bands. I'm just going to quickly jump to Ashley. Ashley recently had a game um, at Watford's ground and you mm-hmm. just sent the goal to the WhatsApp group. Just just talk about that quickly. Yeah, so um, my old Saturday team had a, a reunion. Um, it was against one of the guys who plays for us, his, his company and his old Saturday team. So he was able to play at Vicarage Road, um, a Premier League ground now that Watford um, received promotion this year. Um, my team won 6-1 and I managed to score on a Premier League pitch. So... Nice finish. Um, I threw the video out. Maybe I'll even throw it on the BRB um, and the play on page. But yeah, great, great feeling to score in a Premier League round. Technically, the championship team when you scored, but... Uh... No, they were promoted. <laughs> <laughs> they were promoted. So they are a what, Premier League team. <laughs> what was your celebration? What celebration did you do? Did you go in the corner and do like a Roger Miller type... <laughs> There was like Cameroon 10 people night. in the stadium. Nah, you know what it was? It was just more relief because I had one ruled out for offside and I had a good chance that I um, sliced wide. But I did say I was going to score. Like I said to my friends before, if I play on the ground, because I wasn't too sure about my fitness, I will score. So when I did score, I was like, yes. Um, I kept to my word. It was just a really nice experience. And like, just shout out to the Alderman lot. Um, yeah, love to JD, the manager, Rusty and all the boys. Good, 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 good. Flying the flag for the podcast. Right. Um, in today's episode, we're going to go over a season's review, our uh, combined Premier League 11, um, with some honourable mentions that didn't quite make the make the team. And as always, if you agree, disagree, let us know on the social media. We'll be, we'll be posting that up. Uh, quick shout on the Corona Watch. And then we're going to be talking about results that came throughout the week or so, upcoming fixtures as it is the final day, the final set of result, uh, fixtures for the Premier League. It feels like it's sort of been so quick. Fans are now back, which has made a massive difference. I think we'll all agree the last few games. And then some general news. OK, I've got Ash here. Back to you, Ash, again. Sorry, the uh, Corona watch. Over to you. Yeah, so um seems to be lots of Real Madrid players that are jumping into the team at the moment. So Tony Cruz, um, he was recently diagnosed as um, having being COVID positive. Um, I think our old midfield was um, Thiago and Pogba as a pivot. So I'm going to throw Pogba out and I'm going to put Tony Cruz in. Or shall I throw out? 
Mm, Pogba or Thiago? Mm-hmm. Nah, actually, I'll keep Pogba in. I'm going to throw out Thiago instead. Oh, just as he's hitting form for Liverpool <laughs> in games yeah. that don't mean anything. Right. <laughs> so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pass it around and uh, I'm gonna uh, introduce the Premier League eleven that we have basically all put our uh, thoughts and, and players into, and then obviously some players were were met with a bit more astonishment, uh, namely Ryan over my choice or sort of the left side of the midfield. Uh, but this is why we this is why we have these uh, conversations. And then if I just go through the the team, and then everyone on the pod can can chip in. Um, right. So we've got uh, Mendy in goal for Chelsea. We've got a back four of. Oh, I should talk about the formation four three three. Obviously, naturally, Mendy in goal. Then we've got Luke Shaw, Diaz, Rudiger, and Cancelo. Then we've got Indidi, Gundogan, Bruno Fernandez in the midfield. And then we've got a front three of Jack Grealish, Harry Kane, Mo Salah. I hope I'm reading that right, gentlemen. Yeah, is that correct? That is correct. Cool. I'm going to start with the Chelsea boy and the Chelsea boys. Hello. Uh, Ryan, we've gone with Mendy and Rudiger. So what were your thoughts on those choices? Because you had initially a different goalie, didn't you? But you were, you were a shout for Rudiger, I believe. Yeah, I, I put Rudiger in there because since Frank Lampard got the, uh, got the boot, he's been in the team and he's been very consistent dominating just strong and he's he's the type of player we've needed in our defense and I've always liked him I never really understood what Frank Lampard's issue with the way he plays was but our numbers with him in the team are astounding you can just see that he's strong he's aggressive he's commanding and he but we rarely lose when he plays so he, for, for me, he has to be in there because his performance in the second half of the season under Tuchel has been immaculate. As far as Mendy, I think people are going to give him a lot of props because he's such an improvement over uh, Kepa Arizabalaga. But I don't really think... He, <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough with Mendy. I see, he's, I see his worth, but at the same time, I'm a bit unconvinced about him. A bit unconvinced. Interesting, interesting. I, I think, you know, full season next season and um, he'll continue to show his worth. He brought that confidence and security at the back and the defenders knew, right, we've got a world-class keeper behind us or someone who's definitely been proven and, and will be good. And he could be quiet for 80-odd minutes and then pull off pull off a great save. And that's the fine margins. And I mentioned uh, those saves he, he pulled off against Benzema in the Champions League. And that's Premier League within 11, but... You need to call in your keeper at any given moment. So thank you for those two. Um, Cal, I'm going to pass to you. You had Diaz as a centre-back for your uh, one of your main players. And I think everyone can argue, uh, everyone can agree, sorry, that this is player of the season and just sort of brought a lot of quality to, to Man City's defence. Just speak on that. Yep. Um, Rudiger was a pick for me as well. Absolutely solid defender. I really like his his game. Um, and obviously that whole Chelsea defence has really improved massively since Tuchel was coming in. He's been a big part of why they've done so well. Um, Diaz, a similar kind of thing. Like, I think if if we all remember how Manchester City were before Diaz came in, they were they were looking terrible. They were looking like they might not even finish in the top four. And he's come in and single-handedly revolutionised the team. He's galvanised everyone around him he's got John Stones stepping up his game and, and looking like a top player again and 
Yeah. I think Diaz alongside Rudiger, for me, those are no-brainers as choices for the best centre-halves of the Premier League season. Nice, nice. And then just to back it up, we've got Luke Shaw, um, left-back. Um, contention for an England position. I mean, it's sort of packed on that side uh, as we go into the Euros, but I was really impressed with sort of how he's come back from injury. He dealt with Mourinho, sort of phasing him out, and he's just been providing a strong defensive and attacking support on the left side. Ash, are you agreement on that, Luke Shaw? I went for Cresswell initially because I think um, Luke Shaw has been very, very good from, say, maybe at the end of November through to December, and I felt that Cresswell has been better for the, across the whole season. But what I would say is um, Luke Shaw's improvement since Teles came in has been huge. Um, and actually, I think it is right that we have some form of representation for Manchester United because... They could go the whole season unbeaten away from home. He's played a, a big part in that. Um, and yeah, they have defended a lot better this season as well. So I'm not mad at Luke Shaw at all. Um, so yeah, I think it's a decent it's a decent pick. Right. And moving forward into the midfield three, we've got a solid stable of Indeedy. Yes, Indeedy for Leicester, Gundogan and Bruno Fernandes. Um, we go Ryan with those three. What are your thoughts on Ndidi, Gundogan and Fernandez in the middle of the park? Uh, Fernandez is a bit of a no-brainer because I, I know everyone likes to kind of call him a Fernandez, call him a penalty merchant, and Trusay does take a lot of their penalties. But his his impact on the Man United team as a whole, his drive and his will to win is something that they've been missing. It's, it's, you see it in Ronaldo, and you saw it with Ronaldo in the Euros. He was injured and he was just with pure willpower alone, just playing through the players that he was surrounded by. So, um, yeah, he's one of those players that will drive the team to do better. Um, now, if Gundogan, 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 I've heard it both ways. Uh, he, mid-season, carried Man City, um, or dragged them kicking and screaming to this title, in my opinion. He was... Incredible, he was scoring, he was assisting, he was just instrumental in the way that they play. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it, it can't be understated how 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 well he did because he scored maybe somewhere between eight goals in a row, eight games in a row. Um, and he was just pulling all the strings. And indeed, I know that what well, we've seen that towards the end of the season, N'Golo Kante's come back from injury and he's been bossing games. He bossed games in the Champions League. He bossed games in the Premier League. He's just been bossing games as Kante does for someone at his age, which is incredible. Um, what we have is Ndidi, who's been... Well, when he's not there, his his absence is, is massively felt. Uh, and, yeah, when he's been playing for Leicester, he's been cleaning up. He's been just dominant in midfield. And he's... Well, when Lister play well, it's usually because he's playing and he's playing well himself. So here's another one whose influence can't be uh, can't be dismissed. So yeah, great from Indeedy, great from Leicester. Nice. Um, with Gundogan, always been solid. Sort of his time at Man City just ticked over in that middle of the park. But when they had the likes of KDB, obviously season after season, David Silva doing what he did and. Um, the other players sort of chipping in, he was sort of going unnoticed. So just there, thereabouts. Mm. But I think this season definitely adding goals to his repertoire and being that extra man to run into the box. As we all know, City played without a, a recognised number nine or striker for much of the season. They had Jesus chipping in now and again. But when they had 
sort of Sterling, Foden, everyone just rotating. It was Gundogan that was getting at the end across his, turning up late into the box, uh, take a penalty, set piece. They were coming off his nose, his ear, just all types of goals, man. So he's definitely not quite the water carrier of the team, but he was just a solid fundamental technically gifted player that was just solid and then obviously popping up the goal so I agree with you that that he helped them get over the line in that in that time where other players were either injured or weren't quite uh turning up or went a bit missing um Cal what are your thoughts on those three indeed if Bruno Fernandez and Gundogan or Gundogan as you like to say on the podcast <laughs> come on he's been one of the surprises one of the surprise stars of the season we've all known he's a good player but it was, it's been a, a season of injury and absence, hasn't it? That story kind of rings true throughout every team in the league. And when KDB was out injured and absent, Gundogan or Gundoklaat stepped up and really, really drove Man City forward. And, you know, you can see if you look at his stats, he's got 28 games played, 2,030 minutes on the pitch and 13 goals in those 23 starts. Um not so much with the assists, two assists, but his passing accuracy is like 91%. Um, and, you know, he's had an awesome amount of ground dual success at uh, 55%. Like if he's going to go and, and sort of in a one-on-one defensive situation, he's winning the ball. Can you really say the same for the likes of Fernandes? Not really. And Didi is obviously a solid defensive midfielder, but... His ground dual success percentage is actually lower than Gundogan's, which is interesting to see. Um, but again, when you drill into the details in terms of all-round defensive display, Didi is like an all-action kind of guy. You know, he's got the highest stats in pretty much every category compared to everyone he's um, everyone in our midfield. However, I do think N'Golo Kante, for me, he would have gone into my team um, because I just love his game and he's been another one of the stars of the season since... Tucho's taken over and kind of uh, turned Chelsea into a, an all-new so defensively solid, solid unit. Um, he wasn't really playing under Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard just didn't really fancy his game, I suppose. Um, and maybe their results suffered as a consequence. Um, but all in all, I think it's a solid midfield. We've got a bit of everything, haven't we? We've got goals with Fernandes. We've got out-and-out um, defensive steal with Ndidi and then we've got Gundogan who, who's going to kind of link between the two of them and, and do a bit of everything yeah 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 and Ash I know you had Ndidi and Bruno so what are your thoughts on those guys before we move on to the front three yeah no I just think Ndidi has been exceptional like the best holding midfielder in the league added in assists as well but just like his destructive work his dictated tempos um it's a real shame because Tielemans has done exceptionally well next to him as well but I think Ndidi just about pips him um, Bruno Fernandes is Bruno Fernandes like sometimes he doesn't even play well but just comes out of a goal and an assist and can, and can change the game in the course of a match very quickly and I think Gundogan when City went on that um, record-breaking run of like was it 22 or 23 games where they won straight or it's even between it's been like over 20 games where they won um, in a row he was the crux mm. of that team so I think to to not have him in the team was a little bit disingenuous um, I initially didn't have him in the team but when I thought about it he, he has to be in the team so yeah yeah, he was um he was everyone's uh, fantasy football team sort of pick eventually, yeah. and uh, just quietly goes about his business. And interesting what Cal was saying about the duels on the pitch. He 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 doesn't seem the biggest guy, but he's very mm. solid and hard to get the ball off him, and he just plays the right pass, you know. And he's always popping up there or thereabouts, which is what you want, right? Super technical as well. 
Yeah, but, yeah, we'd love to see it. Love to see it. And hopefully we see more of that in Euros in the upcoming weeks. Right. Now, the front three, um, there wasn't much contention for the main man up front. He's going for the golden boot. Um, he was on a ridiculous run of form with the Mourinho uh, sort of making him drop deeper and he was getting goals and assists and he was playing out of his skin and sort of well on course for a top four finish. That, sadly, for Spurs fans, didn't materialise. Um, Harry Kane, no questions there up top. And on either side, we've got Mo Salah. Um, a qu- you could even say a quiet season by his standards where he hasn't necessarily set the world alight with hat-tricks against teams or worldies from outside the box. And I think Liverpool sort of missing their main defenders and having a, a crazy sort of dip in form has, has reflected that. But he's up there with 20-odd goals, 21 goals, I believe, ready for the 22. for the golden boot. 22, beg your pardon. Um, <clears throat> so no real arguments on that side. And then we've got Jack Grealish, Mr. Aston Villa. Um, this was an interesting shot. Again, I'm going to go around the go around the lads. Ryan, what's your thoughts on... Because I think you... Did you have Grealish there or Mel? I can't quite remember in your original. I had Grealish. Yeah. Um, I had Grealish there simply because... Um, Whereas obviously I'm a, I'm a great fan of Mason Mount. Um, he is still young, and there are some games where he goes a bit quiet, which is going to happen. Um, he, I, I know he puts in a hundred hundred percent effort every time he plays, and he, he looks like he leaves it all out on the field. But when it comes to uh, Grealish, no matter what's happening, win or lose, his quality shines through. I don't think even when there's a game where he might not be pulling all the string because there's you know might might be multiple people on him, he just has the ball and he just looks in total control. Mm-hmm. He he never looks flustered. He never looks like he's he's you know getting annoyed that he's got multiple people like around him. He just looks well. I guess that comes with age, and that's that's something that'll probably come to Mason Mount as time goes on. Hopefully. He'll have that sort of composure on the ball and he'll be the standout player. But Jack Grealish was absolutely standout this season. And as a result, he really had Gareth Southgate under pressure because everyone's saying, get him in the team. Mm. Get him. We can't go to Euros without him. And that's not something that can be said about Mason Mount just yet. So, yeah, Grealish for uh, Grealish for the win. For the number 10, yeah. Which is interesting because I think Southgate slightly favours Mount, maybe because Mount is sort of a bit more clean-cut, come up for the academy. Grealish, obviously, what he's done off the pitch doesn't always bear well, but um, he's definitely cleaned up his act and he's responded well from the injury coming back last few games. Um, six goals, 10 assists in only 25 or so games, an improvement on last season, 36 games with eight goals and six assists. Um Good choice there. And also to do it with an Aston Villa side who, you know, big shout mm. out to Ollie Watkins, who's, who's sort of made the jump and done really well. Um, Ross Barkley's been in and out of form and, and injury. So to do it in a Villa team that wasn't known for its goals, it was known for his defensive sort of uh, strengths, to, to do that with a Villa team is is commendable. Um, Cal, we got Kane and Salah along with Grealish. What were your thoughts on, on those two heavy hitters? No brainer? In terms of an out striker, I think there's literally no comparing Harry Kane. There's not even a point. He's top of the goal scorer charts. He's up there with the assist charts. He might even be top of the assist charts, actually. I think he's got the most amount of assists um, in the Premier League. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, And um, 
Yeah, he's just been absolutely outstanding this season. It's, I don't think I've ever seen a player who's known for scoring goals kind of step their game up and develop and, and start getting so many assists. Maybe you could say Thierry Henry did the same kind of thing, but he was more converted from being a winger. So he always had that kind of wing play, midfield play, crossing and assisting in his game. And then he added the goals. But uh, Harry Kane did it the other way around. Um, it's just absolutely bonkers. Um, but in terms of the sort of deeper line attackers or wider attackers like wingers and, and uh, attacking midfielders, um, in my team, I would have had Huang Ming's son because he's had an absolutely outstanding season for Spurs. 17 goals, 10 assists. Um, I think the problem with Jack Grealish is because he had that injury kind of curtailed his his game time and maybe we would have seen more from him. But then when you kind of do drill into the details and the stats, he's, you know, he hasn't got anywhere near the goal return that Huang Ming's son has got. He's only got six goals. Um and uh, where he where he really, I think, excel, his shot accuracy is pretty much the same. He's got 65% shot accuracy and 29 shots compared to Hoi Son with 52 shots and 67% shot accuracy. Um, but then when you look at Mo Salah, you've got 86 shots, 58% shot accuracy. So clearly in the case of Salah, it's like he's just shooting and shooting and shooting. So eventually something's going to go in, right? Uh, which I think is... Uh, Credit to Ash, what he said earlier about how, um, I think we said this off air, didn't we, about how the way Liverpool play, the system is kind of tailored towards certain players. And it's why players like Salah that benefit from the way that Liverpool play. Um, but yeah, trying to not take up too much time. Um, it's the take-ons, man. Jack Grealish is an incredible dribbler with the ball at his feet. He's got a higher take-on success percentage than Son, Rashford and Salah. Um, 64% of his take-ons, he's skinning them. <laughs> um, and uh, funnily enough, Salah's got the best crossing accuracy. Um, I thought Rashford could have been in with a shout. He's got 11 goals and 9 assists. It's a solid return. Um, but in terms of actual conversion rate, the best finisher seems to be Huang Ming Son, 32% conversion rate, and 17 goals, um, 67% shot accuracy. Amazing player. I feel like he he he'll feel hard done by, mm. and he should be in our team ahead of Jack Grealish. Really. Mm. Ash, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I put Son, and I agree with everything that um that Kyle said. I think the argument would almost be whether. Salah's not in there and this may sound crazy he's a top goal scorer right but he's not had the season that he normally has so he's only scored more than one goal in a game four times now if you know what Salah's like Salah's normally like a, like a, he gets goals in packs so he scored the hat-trick on the first day of the season against Leeds scored a double against um West Ham um scored a double away to Crystal Palace and there's one other game that he scored too and he's gone through a couple of stages where he's had like droughts by his high standards so like five games no goals no real assists again we're speaking about a Liverpool team that's really underperformed this season um but for him to still be in the reckoning for um for the golden boot means that you kind of have it's hard to ignore him I personally <clears throat> just because of Grealish's injury, I kind of parked him, but I wouldn't be mad at putting Son and Grealish as the wide players and actually taking Salah out. Although I did actually vote for Salah. <laughs> so hearing the arguments, it does make me feel about like Grealish has been good. Like Harry Kane is just completely you don't even need to speak about him. Like he's been he's been exceptional. And I think if it wasn't for maybe City's dominance, there could be an argument for him to be the player of the year. 
Um, but yeah, I think I think either one of the three, like we, we we've got um two that go into three. Any of those three should probably be in there. And I think yeah, mm. I'm not I'm not I'm not mad at our team if that makes sense. No, this is what you want. A couple um, of things I'd like to add. Um, in this list of Grealish, Son, Rashford, and Salah, I've got up here. Um, Mo Salah has actually got the lowest shot accuracy, 58%, um, lower than uh, what Rashford has got, lower than Grealish, lower than Son. Um, and in terms of the, the sort of take on sort of beating players, Jack Grealish has done really well. He's, he's done he's done 63 take ons, uh, and he's got 64% take on success. But he's played 10 less games than Rashford, and Rashford's got 82 take ons and a take on success of 50-50. Sometimes he does, sometimes he don't. It's 50-50. So, yeah, make it out what you will. I think it looks like Jack Grealish is probably the most talented dribbler um, out of the Premier League wide attackers. Um, But, um, you know, Rashford has been getting it in, man. He's he's got more minutes than anybody. He's been skinning guys. He's been scoring goals. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what happens in the Euros, man. Definitely. Definitely. And um, we'll post our combined 11 on the social media, on Instagram and Twitter. And obviously, as always, when you get this, when you listen to this Monday in the week, jump online, follow us if you haven't already and let us know your starting 11. There's a few honourable mentions uh, of players. We'll just go around quickly, just maybe one player each of a subs bench or honourable mention so we don't sort of miss anyone out. And as always, you know, inevitably people are going to be listening to this thinking, why haven't you put so-and-so in or what about so-and-so? So, Quick, all the way around, honourable mention, I'm going to go first uh, to much of Ryan's amusement and laughter in the WhatsApp group, but I'm going to go Saka. Um, not through sort of numbers-wise, but just he was the shining light through an abysmal season for Arsenal. He's played uh, full-back, uh, left-sided, winger, number 10 role. He got into the England team. He was Arsenal's most direct player. He's a youth academy player. He's been so positive and to do this at such a young age. He showed up a lot of the uh, more established players. And although his numbers might not have set the world alight, he was definitely one of my highlights for the season. Um, Ryan? Yeah, mine is going to uh, Timo Werner. Uh, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> He's offside. <laughs> He's offside. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Suchek from West Ham. Solid good season. Um, I've enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, good shout. Um, Cal? Sorry, can you repeat that, please? Yeah, just the honourable mention, just the uh, player. I think you mentioned Sun, maybe, but another player that you thought, right, this is worth a mention on the subs bench. I didn't quite make it and should have made it, in your opinion. Uh, it was pretty much just Sun for me. I think Sun should have made it in. Um, Kante, I can't really hate on Kante because indeed he's been better than him, especially in the air. Indeed, he's been beasting. Mm. Um, I think Trent is worth an honourable mention because his attacking returns are great. Um, he gets a lot of assists. I think he got seven assists this season, and he's up there with some of the best in the Premier League. However, we all know <laughs> when you give him the eye test, when you've been watching Liverpool, he's looked suspect defensively. Um, so you know, Cancelo has, has been the all-action star. Matty Cash maybe deserves an honourable mention. He's had a very solid season. The um, the guy at West Ham, Soufal, he's he's been really good this season as well. Nice. Um, and I think Justin, if Justin didn't get injured, yeah, fair. Woo, he might Cal, have been in with a shout. Cal's just naming a whole new eleven, isn't he? 
Man forgot about a subs bench and just said, yeah, all of you lot are on my team. The whole right, squad, man. boy. Man's right, <laughs> <laughs> got, got under-21 <laughs> development squad. Like a women's team as well. <laughs> yeah. And Ash, and Ash, honourable mention. Two players, Johan Stones. Everyone knows I've been riding for him all season, like my guy. And Stuart Dallas at um, Leeds. I think he's had an exceptional season, first season in the Prem. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a good few Leeds players that I had uh, initially, but didn't quite make it. Um, no worries. All good. Moving on. Right. Quickly, there were so many fixtures uh, recently. And then what will then lead on to the last day of uh, games? This, as we record now, Sunday midday before 4 p.m. kickoff, the last time to put your Akers in for the Premier League. Uh, we'll just fly through these. Um, Ash first and then Cal. And then myself, we'll just touch on any results that sort of jumped out at us um, from midweek and last weekend. And then we'll talk about the upcoming fixtures. Um, Ash? Yeah, the Chelsea-Leicester was the big game. Um, FA Cup, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, the oh, FA the league, Cup. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and then league. So, obviously, Leicester won the FA Cup, which was a great um, occasion. And can I just quickly mention the scenes of the um, chairman's, the chairman who recently passed away, his son coming down onto the pitch? They were just some of the best scenes I've seen in football in a long time. And I really want to just um, big up Leicester for how they run as a club. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just such an amazing moment. But yeah, so they obviously won. They won that game, um, which was amazing. But then they lost 2-1 in the league, which made them go from third to fifth with Liverpool winning as well. Um, so now they're out of the Champions League places. But they've been so good this season. I really hope that either Chelsea or Liverpool drop points at some point because Leicester deserves to be in the Champions League. So I'm really hoping something goes awry for one of those two teams to mean that Leicester qualify. Um, so that was a big game that I kind of watched. Um, another shout-out I would say is to Leeds. 2-0 um, away to Southampton, really finishing the season strongly. Um, and yeah, and Patrick Bamford with a goal and an assist. Nice. Yeah, the uh, Chelsea game, they came out of the blocks, no mucking around, and they just swarmed and suffocated Leicester, chance after chance, uh, being on the wrong side of VAR, and then getting uh, getting the win, which was, you know, I think if, if Tuchel had not finished inside the top four and potentially losing the Champions League final, as great as he is, there are a lot of questions raised on two finals and, and outside top four, but top four is looking lightly. Um down to the last game and the final coming up next weekend, anything could happen. And Leeds um, still running all season. You know, Bielsa's got them running into the ground. Bamford showing everyone that he can do it at the top level. And uh, he's in my shout for an England call-up. I really like him, smart player. Um, so, yeah, big up Leeds and Leeds United fans. Cal, any games that stood out to you, sir? I was surprised very surprised to see Brighton get a result against City, which is obviously because Jao Cancelo got sent off in the first 10 minutes. Way to go, uh, right back of the season. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, City already won the league. I guess you could maybe question some desire and maybe one eye on the Champions League and and, and, and if they're really going to be 100% up for it. I think they probably would have won the game if Cancelo didn't get sent off. They still scored two goals. Um, they were actually one new up when Cancelo got sent off. But, um, you know, credit to Brighton, they got back into it and they got a result against the champions, um, which is something that you really wouldn't expect, you know, even though mm. Brighton have been playing quite well recently. Um, and you know what? Another player that plays for Brighton uh, is um, Lamptey. 
You know, he's another one that could potentially have been in our team of the season if he'd have stayed fit. It's been a really bad season for like injuries and absences, man. Mm-hmm. Brighton, you never know with them. I mean, one game they'll be given as good as they get, and uh, you know, drawing or beating the top top four teams, and then other games they just haven't got a clue what to do. They get to the they get to the penalty, opposition's penalty box and they get a nosebleed and they could turn back and go the other way and they just haven't got the shooting boots on. And um, there's a final game today against Arsenal, which we can talk about in a minute, but that was interesting. Um, I'm going to say the games that stood out, obviously the Arsenal Palace game, um, Palace fans, their last home game with their manager, Roy Hodgson at the helm, a chance for them to say goodbye to him, uh, a place where Arsenal have sometimes got a bit, you know, unstuck at Selhurst Park. And uh, Arsenal coming up with a, this sort of a really ugly away win and another away win from Arteta and his boys. Uh, Pepe scoring two goals, a, a wonderfully worked uh, goal with Saka and Tierney, I believe, or Saka and Smith, I can't quite remember. And Pepe knocking it in. And then the last goal with like seconds to go, no one cares. And he just kept running and he puts it in and his numbers are looking pretty strong for someone who was considered a flop. So that was good to see the... Uh, away result there and the fans booing Tierney, booing uh, some of the Arsenal players. So I, I, I've been happy to see the camaraderie and all the banter coming back with, with fans returning. And I don't know if anyone saw on social media, the Arsenal fans are in the, in the away, uh, in the home end and they scored with Martinelli's, uh, Martinelli's goal. And there's about four of them that stood up celebrating and sat back down quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see that. Oh, uh, you've got to watch that. That's on, that's on Twitter and social media. So I was really impressed with that. And then obviously the Liverpool result, oh, was that Addison? I know there was a one before, sorry. No, that was head before. Yeah, that was one before that. So Arsenal away to Palace stood out to me. Right. Uh, as we move on. Fixtures. It is the last uh, last game, last uh, set of games for the for the season. As I keep saying, fantasy football is pretty much dead and buried. I know Ash and I are at loggerheads, and uh, mm-hmm. who's gonna? We should have had a, a cheeky bet or a punt. Whoever finish, I say it live. Yeah, whoever wins, the other person has to buy the first round of drinks. How about that? Yeah, hundred percent. So if you finish above me, then I'll buy you a pint or a drink or whatever or champagne because I know you West boys I know you're a bit more back you know a bit more (laughs) a bit bit more flashy than us East London boys drinking water water and ice and lemon um or if I finish above you then you can just buy me a pint or something um Cal I don't know where you are you're mid-table Cal so you got (laughs) we'll buy you a sympathy drink or something (laughs) (laughs) a tonic tonic water tonic water no 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 orange juice in it We'll buy a cow drink, 100%. Yeah, we'll 100%. buy a cow drink. Um, and big shout out to Rashid Clue for looks like winning the Fantasy Football League results. But uh, yeah, round of applause. Good friend of mine. And um, yeah, I'll have to give him his kudos and let him know what's good. Right. Any fixtures? Cal, any of these games that are standing out? Obviously, the, the race for the top four is heating up. But any fixtures? at 4pm that you're going to be watching. Sure, for sure. I mean, let's not forget that I am actually the current manager of the week. Yeah, so let's get the proper respect in place. Sorry, right. put some respect. All right, all right, all right. All right. <laughs> um, and it's still possible for me to catch Ash. I'm not sure if I can catch you, Ben, but I did look at the table and I did think, ooh, if I have a good return this week. It is well, we're like two points away from each other. So, like, yeah, you could definitely, if you could catch me, you could catch Ben for sure. And I've got my, um, I've got my triple captainship. Oh, you didn't know that, did you? 
You ain't know that. Triple captain Mo Salah for Liverpool at home to Crystal Palace on the last day of the season when they really need to win this game to confirm their place in the Champions mm-hmm. League. Now, I've been saying it for a while, right, that I kind of expect to see the, the smaller teams dropping out because they don't really have the experience management. They don't really have the squads capable of going the distance. They had a good start, but it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you've got the more experienced campaigners, the Jurgen Klopp's, the, um, you know, uh, Pep Guardiola's, where you kind of more expect them to sort things out, get their act together. And I think that's kind of come, uh, the prophecy has been fulfilled. It's come to fruition. And now it's the, the final game of the season. We're going to see, are Liverpool going to bottle it or are they going to qualify for the Champions League? Because it's so interesting. Chelsea, Leicester and Liverpool, if any result goes sideways for those teams, they're going to be out of the running for the Champions League. But it's all in, in Liverpool's hands. I think it's all, all in Chelsea's hands. As long as Liverpool and Chelsea both win, they go through. So for me, those are the two most interesting games. And I'm probably going to be watching the Liverpool game. Ash? Yeah, same. Um, I'm actually going out for a birthday meal, a 16th birthday meal. So I'll be keeping up to date with the scores. But I think the Liverpool game and the Chelsea game will be the ones I'll be watching um, most. I'll also be taking a, probably a little look at Leeds um, for fantasy. That's where a lot of my players are. Um, so I'll be looking at that game. There's lots of games I don't really care for, but yeah, they're the they're the main games I'll be looking at. Oh, and I suppose I should look at Arsenal. <laughs> I suppose. What has become what has become of Arsenal? So it is uh well also not only sort of the four teams that are gonna make the Champions League sort of slots, but then the the dreaded um not Europa League but the add on to the Europa League. <laughs> the beta pack. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Man. And it's almost like, okay, you want to win your last league game, but you do you want to qualify for this uh, European competition that will add on extra mileage, midweek games, which has obviously been proven to be uh, too much of a demand for even some of the best teams out there. So it's a bit of a funny one. Um, I'll be watching... Well, I'm going around a friend in a, uh, about four, three, about three o'clock or so, and I'll be trying to stream as many games as possible. Obviously, Arsenal, Brighton um, have a <clears throat> sorry invested interest in that, but the big game, Leicester Spurs, that could be you know that could go either way. And then I think Liverpool couldn't have hoped for a better home game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roy Hodgson returning to Liverpool, where he once managed Liverpool, needing a result and. You know, I can I can just see them like absolutely putting like you know four or five past Palace, you know, just absolutely turning it on last game of the season and just securing that that place. Um, also, honourable mention, uh, Man City's last home game of the season with their fans there lifting the cup and Sergio Aguero as he says goodbye, um, signing a two-year deal with Barcelona uh, at home to Everton. And yeah, I think that could be a, that could be an interesting game with Aguero, who who I don't know if Pep's going to keep trying, you know, play him and then keep him fit, ready for the Champions League final. That's a player that you want against Chelsea, arguably big player. Give him, you know, as he got 60 minutes under his belt, we shall see today. So you know, obviously this is going out Monday. All the results are coming. So whatever your team, whatever you've been doing, I hope you've enjoyed the season. 
as we wrap that up with the fixtures. Anything else before we move on to news, gentlemen? No, just a shout out to Aguero, man. Like an absolute legend in the Premier League. Um, probably the second striker I would pick all time after a certain Thierry Omri. Um, yeah, just just absolute. We use the word le- legend a lot, but he is just a phenomenon. Mm-hmm. There's a great picture posted on uh, one of my WhatsApp groups with Aguero. I'll share it with the, with the lads down the WhatsApp group. But it's it's Aguero with all the champ, all the um, uh, Premier Leagues, FA Cups, and the uh, the other cups and and the Charity Shields. And he's just sort of, you know, he came to win medals. He's done really well, and he's going to Spain now to help Barcelona try and get the title back from Atletico. Question: Do you think that's the greatest moment in the Premier League history? When he scored the last minute goal. For drama, yes. Um, I still think the moment of Dennis Bergkamp's goal against Newcastle is just like. <sighs> Does that count? I think yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a pretty league moment. So yeah. I, I think if I'm thinking top three, I'm thinking Aguero. Crazy. Uh, Dennis Bergkamp and. Possibly where Will Tord scored the winner Old Trafford to win the league, arguably. Is that there? I was going to say that was a big moment. Another big moment has got to be Steven Gerrard slipping in the middle of the pitch after giving that pep talk saying, this does not slip now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What's what's yours, Ash? What's yours, Ash? Aguero moment. um, So, yeah, no, Aguero is definitely one. Um... Do you remember when Steve Bruce scored? This was the very first season of the Premier League where Steve Bruce scored a goal for them to win 2-1. And I think Brian Kidd was on the pitch, like doing a madness. Like that was that yes. was that was a crazy moment. Like was jumping up and down. I think that was Fergie's first title. And it's really weird that I go back to that because I must have been about seven years old. But it's a very vivid Premier League memory for me. Um, so there's definitely that one. I think when we when we went through the season unbeaten. Um, the final game, the two-one, when um, Vieira went through and scored that goal, that was an, that, yeah, that was an absolutely amazing moment for me as well. Um, but yeah, I think they're the three that jump out to me. There's obviously that individual brilliance. Burkamp's goal was still one of my favourite goals, but yeah, I think they they would be my top three moments. I think Eric Cantona's moment where he jumped in the crowd and um, oh yeah, karate <laughs> kicked the um, in a madness. But also Crystal that, that goal he scored where he chipped the keeper from the edge of the box and he did the iconic celebration sort of turning around with his arms spread out. That was amazing. Oh, one more moment as well. Do you remember the the, um, the Tony Yoboa goal? The one that bounced off the crossbar Oof. and went in. That's mm. probably the one goal. That, the Burkamp goal. And do you remember the time when Rooney was arguing with the referee and then volleyed it in? They're probably the three goals I, I, I would want to score. Nice. I think Rooney's debut goal. I was just about to say, I had never seen anyone hit a ball like that again. Yeah, that was that was cold. Rooney's overhead volley at at the Manchester derby. Yeah, scenes. I'm not going to lie, I'm not the biggest Rooney fan in it, but he's given us some moments, man. Oh, I am, I am. He gets in my England and probably Premier League All 11, I'd say. Ooh, we need to do one of those. Yeah, let's do another one of those. Prem All 11. I'm, 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 I'm here for it. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. You just uh, at 16, the kid was just a beast. Anyway, um, right, that wraps up our fixtures. On to news. 
Right, I'm trying to read the notes from my distance. We've got uh, Diaz, player of the year. We mentioned him earlier in our Premier League 11. There was a, a void, a gap, when Vincent Company left Man City to go and coach uh, back in Belgium. Everyone thought Laporte would be the main man to step in. Uh, Laporte, yes, world-class, amazing. However, injury-prone mm. and wasn't able to maybe fill that gap as quickly as Pep would have liked or the media would have liked and up steps a very young Diaz. He's still very young. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's sort of free. Yeah, man. And a very vocal, great leader. And he's got John Stones defending properly, doing all the right things. And I mean, it's easy when you've got, you know, Carl Walker around you, um, Zinchenko, you've got Cancelo, you've got, um, Rodri, who had a great season, you know, all, all, all the Man City players. But um, I mean, what what a player, um, Cal. And then Ash, what are your thoughts on him getting Player of the Year? Deserved? I would say that one hundred percent. The man has, as I said earlier, completely transformed Manchester City's fortunes. And it's this uh, it's this article in the Guardian we've got here where they talk about him receiving the Football Writers Association's Men's Footballer of the Year. So. What I always like to look at is the Players' Player of the Year. Um, I'm not sure if that's been announced yet, but the Football Writers' Player of the Year is kind of like everybody in the media who's been watching the game saying that, saying that this is the most impressive player I've seen this season. So, you know, all of the pundits, all of the experts, yeah, they, they 100% agree that Diaz is the main man, and I won't disagree with them. Yeah, same. I think he definitely has been the best player. Like I said, I think Kane... If Tottenham had performed a bit better and he had driven them to say a Champions League spot, then yeah, you'd give it to him. But Diaz has been amazing, and like you said, he's he's helped to make other players play better. Um, yeah, don't get me wrong, like, and I think what's interesting is obviously Liverpool lost their best centre backs, and last season when Laporte was out, you saw the difference that mm. a good centre back can make to a team. So I think with Diaz coming in and being such a shining light, it does show just how much they missed a good centre-back last year, but also how much Liverpool have missed their centre-backs this year. Do you think, guys, i just just post it to you and then also listeners can, uh, can agree or disagree, do you think the player of the season should come from the team that has won the Premier League? So, case in point, when Yaya Toure and Suarez were up for it, and I mm. think Suarez won it, I think Suarez won it, but Yannick yeah, helped City win the league and he was just sort of phenomenal. Do, do you think the player that wins player of the year should have been someone who has a winner's medal? No, because I think it's it's an individual award. So if they are, if they've been the best player in the season, so I'll give you an example. Say like, for instance, Leicester got into the Champions League and let's say Jamie Vardy fired them and scored 25 goals and like, 24 of them were were winners he would even if say for instance someone like Liverpool or City won the league and Kevin De Bruyne done well or Mo Salah did well what Vardy has done is a bigger is a is basically a bigger um has had a bigger impact on that team season so as a result of that that's the reason why I don't think Kane gets it because of how poor Spurs have been in general um I think if Spurs were in the top four Kane's the player the player of the season I don't think you have to win the title to be the player of the season. Nice. Cal? Yeah, um, no real further comment to make, to be honest on that. I suppose nice. um, 
if you're if you're looking at somebody like uh, Dallas, who uh, Ash spoke, spoke quite highly, I've had him in my dream team. He's been getting me loads of points. Um, you know, uh, in terms of his game, like when you're watching him, does he look like the most amazing player in the Premier League? Maybe not. But if you said that he was player of the season, one of the players of the season, um, I, I, you know, you, you can argue that case. Does he have to be in the team that won the league? No, not necessarily. Right. Um, someone who is arguably player of the season out in Germany, Robert Lewandowski, uh, breaks uh, Müller's record for 41 goals in the Bundesliga. Um, Lewandowski strikes a Bayern Munich's 5-2 win over Augsburg. Uh, his 41st goal of campaign breaks 49-year-old record, um, breaking Gerard Müller's 49-year goal-scoring record for a single season. Uh, we were just talking off-air about sort of does Lewandowski get the respect and kudos he deserves uh, or would he, could he get more if he wasn't Polish or playing in the most dominant team in Germany? Like if he was, if he was say, German or French or an Englishman and he played in the Prem or La Liga, would he be getting in held uh, held in higher esteem? What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? We'll go Cal and then Ash, we'll do a reverse order. Lewandowski. I mean, to be honest with you, I think he gets all of the credit at the moment. The one time when I think he got snubbed was with the Puskas Award um, that got awarded to, I think it was Ronaldo or Messi, and he should have got that, man. Like, he he just scores goals, 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 goals. And I think everybody knows. Um, we know here, we talk about him on our podcast, and I think your average person, you know, people watch the Champions League and stuff, and I'm sure they watched the Champions League last season and they saw how good he was. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he gets the credit he deserves. Fair. I think we were speaking about this beforehand. I think because of the nature of the league, um, and obviously that, especially like some of the players who have absolutely done exceptionally well in the Bundesliga have come over here and not done as well. Timo Werner's, um, some of those other players. You're looking at it like, mm, is he really that good? And they've only won like say one Champions League, but Robert Lewandowski is truly outstanding. Like I know Suarez has been a great nine. I know Harry Kane's a good nine, but. Lewandowski is probably the best nine we've seen in the last five years and for him to score 41 goals um this season it's just it's stunning I think it's 41 in 29 appearances as well like he's actually getting better like we, we went through his um his record just before we um pressed record every single year his re- his record got better and better and better like he's a thoroughbred and yeah like what an amazing achievement mm-hmm. from one striker to the next uh Karen Benzema has been recalled to the French squad ahead of this year's Euros as if they weren't fully loaded enough with Mbappe, Griezmann, uh, Giroud obviously will have a part to play. Uh, They've added Benzema back into the squad. Uh, Didier Deschamps decided against calling up the 33-year-old for the Euros in 2016 and then following that the World Cup in 2018. There was often a lot of sort of bad press following Benzema with allegations of uh, blackmailing or extorting, you know, uh, another player through some sort of sex tape leaked, or Benzema is known as a bit of a goon um, and not having much sort of squad cohesion, which Deschamps is big on. But he's recalled him, and uh, it's looking as if France weren't already favourites to win the Euros. They're looking even stronger now with that lineup. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. And, and Benzema's just sort of been a bit outspoken on social media in the past about it, but kept his head down, uh, cracking on with Real Madrid. I'm fortunate not to win the league, sort of down to the deciding last game, which we can speak on quickly in a moment, and then 
going out to Chelsea in the Champions League semi-final, for which I felt Benzema was trying to sort of single-handedly lift the team up because if mm. he weren't firing, then, you know, for all the work that Kroos and, and um, Modric was doing, keeping it neat in the midfield, Hazard and Vinicius weren't really popping like they, they should have been or I've known mm. to. So really happy that Benzema has got a shout. He might not start every game, but it's definitely a good option to have with Griezmann as a sort of focal point with Mbappe and Coleman playing uh, in and around him. Um, really happy um, with that decision. Um, you know what? There's actually like a really good article from The Guardian. I've just literally looked that up now um, where they have gone into detail describing uh, the circumstances around Benzema's inclusion in this French squad for Euro 2020. And they say that, you know, um, it is a decision from Desamps that could potentially destabilise a united France squad. So that might be well worth a read, looking that up in The Guardian. Mm. Um Speaking of one Frenchman, just quickly, uh, and we spoke about him earlier, uh, just Laporte set to switch international alliance and will play at the Euros. He's going from playing uh, for France to now Spain, I do believe. Is that right? Mm, yeah. He's uh, he dual. played dual, dual citizenship. He's played mm. under 17, 18, 19 and 21 for France, winning 51 caps. And um, he's been overlooked by Didier Deschamps by the senior level. And now he's calling time on that and he's looking to move on. So that was an interesting one. Um, crazy. Yeah, Such crazy. a good player to not even be able to get into the squad. But they've got an abundance of riches and they've France have had abundance of riches for ages. But for me, Laporte should definitely be be, be playing for France. Like, yeah, he's better than a lot of their centre-backs. Nice. Right. Um, moving on. We say farewell to a few managers this season. Some we will miss, others Mm, might not miss and one other who we can feel will probably be moving to another club uh, arguably a bigger club we'll start off with uh, Big Sam Allardyce relegated by Arsenal with that yes. loss yes. and Willian the only thing Willian did all season <laughs> with that free kick but uh, Big Sam decided not to renew his contract with West Brom even though he was offered sort of he said a, a really uh, healthy and sort of a, a decent contract to try and get them back up to the Premier League straight away. His uh, quotes were saying that, you know, he, he didn't feel that it would be right for this, the, the team that should be in the Prem. They need a young manager to, to get them up to the Prem and get them stable and bring in the youth players and sort of moving forward. And Big Sam obviously realising that that job will either be too big for him or, or he's not quite in it for the long term. He's known as a specialist for keeping teams up. And he's sort of accepted that and taken it on board. And they did play some good football. They did play some, some good football after uh, he came in. But it was sort of too little too late. Um, I mean, I won't be sort of too sad to see him go. Uh, we've got Roy Hodgson, someone who has done it season after season, uh, country after country, club after club. He's stepping down um, from his time at Crystal Palace, for which Frank Lampard will be taking over. That'll be interesting to see how that transition happens. And then also the Wolverhampton manager, uh, Nuno, to be leaving, uh, Espirito Santo, sorry, to be leaving Wolves. And, you know, uh, odds are high on him joining Spurs. Um, Ash, what's your thoughts on the three managers? And then Cal, on the three managers departing. Sam Allardyce, good riddance. Can't stand him. Roy Hodgson, yeah, it was time. I think Crystal Palace, there's nothing more they can do. They they keep surviving. They'll get to 40 points. Um, they'll win enough, enough games 1-0 to get through. Um, 
yeah, I think it's just time, good time for him to move on. They're going to be linked with some younger managers. Um, I don't think Lampard's a bad shout. I think a lot of the Chelsea players will will move there. I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Loftus Cheek, Tammy, all of those kinds of players who may become surplus to requirements move into Crystal Palace. And in a couple of years, they might actually be in like a pretty decent and a more progressive um, Premier, League, Premier, uh, Premier League outfit. And um, finally, Nuno Espirito Santé, Santos. What a great job he's done! Like to come into the league, like um, he lost his main striker, was still able to kind of uh, get some some key results, been able to blood some great players. Um, and yeah, I think if he does go, which it's looking like he might go to Spurs, um, yeah, I think he's a great manager, and I think it's, I think it's always good to leave on your own terms. And I think two of the managers have definitely kind of done that. So. Yeah, I think it's always a good thing to be able to to kind of like walk before you're pushed. Um, I'm going to go in reverse and say with Nuno, um, I was surprised to see Nuno being linked with a move away. I thought he's done a fantastic job for Wolves. He's brought in so many great players. And, and I don't know a whole lot of detail um, around why he's leaving, but I'm just surprised that he is leaving. Possibly there's some kind of a power struggle with the board. Maybe he's trying to hold on to some of the players that they've sold, and maybe there's going to be more players being sold in the summer. And he said, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. Who knows? Um, but I do think it's a huge loss for Wolves. I, I doubt that they'll be able to replace him with a manager of similar quality. I expect that they're going to downgrade and things are not going to be so great for Wolves next season. Um, but a coach like that, he could go anywhere. He, he's done a great job. And I'm sure there'll be some big clubs around Europe that wouldn't mind um, bringing him in. Um, Roy Hodgson, I mean, he's been a fantastic servant to football. And I just wonder, has his time in football come to an end? He's, he's getting on a bit. He's in his 70s now. Um, and, you know, maybe his methods aren't as effective as they used to be. Um, because Crystal Palace have been a solid team for the last few years. But they, they haven't really cracked on, pushed on and gone to the next level. Maybe he's unable to, you know, to to innovate anymore and, and, and move things forward anymore. And so maybe it is a good thing that a new manager comes in. Whether or not Frank Lampard coming in is going to be the, the best solution to that problem, I don't know. Um, but we'll certainly see what happens with Crystal Palace. I wish um, Roy Hodgson all the best. Um, I remember when he came in from Inter Milan and uh, came to the Premier League from Inter Milan. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. And I really liked him as a Fulham manager as well. Um, he's managed so many clubs like if you have a look at his history like he's a hugely experienced manager maybe international football might be a good thing for right now you know maybe um, maybe uh, if uh, Southgate steps down maybe Hodgson could be someone to uh, to pick up the reins there mm-hmm. um, and just sort of ending on Big Sam I mean I saw his interview after uh, the last match uh, and I was actually kind of confused um, because he was pretty much being, he was very being very adamant about his management style and saying that he's a short-term manager and he's leaving the club because he's only doing short-term projects and, and that's where he learned. And I thought, okay, it's interesting if you see yourself as someone um, with that particular skill set, you know, you come in for like six months to a year and then you leave and, you know, that, that's what you do. Um, and, you know, the interviewer kept pressing him to, to kind of 
get more information about why he's he he sees himself that way and he was just like you know it's just it's just how i am it's just kind of and i think it's just it's, it's quite an interesting talking point there about the difference in management styles and how if you're going to bring in a big sam you're literally only going to be bringing him in for the short term to to keep you afloat and then you look for a more long-term manager maybe a younger manager you know like a um a Mikel Arteta or a uh, a Frank Lampard someone who you're going to bring in and think okay let's develop this guy and keep him here for the foreseeable mm-hmm. interesting let us know your thoughts as always on the social media at podcast play on at beer at bants and uh, i wonder which managers will be coming in and which managers will be going lots of movement over the summer we look forward to seeing how things unfold obviously we've got the euros which we will be providing more content for your ears right extra time anything else we'd like to add before we wrap this up guys this has been another action pack podcast times flown no man just big love to the team and um great to have ryan back on and um, yeah, looking forward to a summer full of football. Yeah, more football. <laughs> How do you, you know, we ain't gonna stop. I hear like the Puff Daddy voice in the background, like you know. Oh, one thing, that, one thing. Pre- predictions for the for the Champions League uh-huh, final. Uh-huh. Oh, um, Manchester City. Uh, Werner to be offside. There's one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there to be a VAR goal or decision that could, you know be spoken about and for uh phil foden to set the world alight i'm gonna go i'm gonna go man city obviously and i'm gonna go man city 2-1 and i'm gonna go man united 3-1 in europa Carl? um yeah definitely man city um i i was actually leaning towards chelsea but after kind of seeing them bottle the FA Cup, I kind of thought, oh, maybe this team doesn't have the minerals. You know, maybe they're going to get mm. to the final and Pep is going to be really having his team galvanised and Tuchel tries, he might maybe, his team might not be able to get up for the occasion. So um, just based on that, really, um, hasn't been a strong end to the season from City. Um, and I would say Chelsea probably had a stronger end to the season. But that FA Cup final defeat, to Leicester was was really disappointing for me. So, Man City. Pep's only lost one final. Tuchel's lost a final this year already. My heart is begging for City to do it. But for some weird reason, I feel like Chelsea are going to fluke something, you know. I hope I'm wrong, but I think Chelsea are going to somehow fluke it. Should be interesting to see. I don't know where I'll be watching actually. I don't think I'll be going to the pub. Uh, that as well. Yeah, no, I'll just watch it at home. I think. I remember Cal and I didn't. Didn't we go? Didn't we watch um, Champions League final in Wolverhampton somewhere? Then we went to some house party. That's been. Uh, that's when uh, Carrius had the mistakes and Bell scored that overhead volley. Was you there? Um, was that in the Bell pub? It was the Bell pub in Wolverhampton. Yeah. yeah, well remembered. Yeah. Yeah, I think we brought Rashid that day as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everyone everyone was surprised when I managed to get some sort of like bar service but without having a table and I just stopped the barman. I was just like, Yeah, can I have drinks here? And she came and people you know, this is what this country needs to sort out, this type of Man like service. English. Come on. <laughs> just give her a quick wink and a bit of the old East London charm and don't worry, I'll get your drinks. When you finish above me, I should fantasy football. I'll, I'll pat in a drink, don't worry, we'll sort it out, mate. Cool man. Um right. 
As always, we have been covering season review, our Premier League 11 with some honourable mentions. Quick mention to the Corona 11 team. When will this ever stop? Hopefully soon. We have had our results and the fixtures coming up and news. Diaz, player of the year. Managers stepping down. Benzema, Lewandowski, honourable mentions. Strikers getting a call up. Laporte obviously changing nations. And any other news, any other business. Right. Thank you for listening. I go by the name of Ben English. I've been Cal. Shout out to Inter Miami. Seven games played, eight points. Not a great start, but eight from the Eastern Conference. It's all good. And I've been Ash. That's it. And uh, big up Ryan, who was on the show. And don't forget to check out everything that we're doing on streaming platforms. Have a good week and take care. Bye-bye. Yeah, stay safe.